to left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three rebound. Another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. All right, welcome to a Thursday edition of Flames Talk. This hour underway. It's Thursday, February 23rd. Hopefully you are having a wonderful Thursday. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Steinberg, Vickers from Daily Hive, and we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, in just a second, we're going to hear from Brent Cron. Um, we just need to figure out how to turn his microphone on. Um, there we go. There we go. It's on. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. we can. Look at that. Woo. Good plans come together. Hi, Croner. What's going on, boys? Uh, Brent Cron is with us. Lots to talk about with our goaltending analyst to kick off this hour of Flames Talk. First of all, uh, a big round of applause for Cron's Tuesday night uh, guest speaking at the Calgary Canucks Red and Yellow Banquet. I thought you did a wonderful job. You're very kind. There was there was a sequence there where I lost my train of thought, and I would ramble on every once in a while, and I didn't mean to. But I had so much to say, I just couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I felt like I was racing against the clock. And uh, I appreciate you being so kind, Pat, because that's not normally the the norm on this station. No, I only I, I actually only like made fun of Brent once or twice throughout the entire night. It was shocking. MC as well, I was like, no, you know what. We're we're with friends. Family. Let's only take a couple of shots. Right, and, and, you know, and Brad weird. Moran was a he's a big wheel over at the Canucks program. You right? played with Brad Moran, right? I did, and uh, you know he's a respectful gentleman, and uh, you couldn't embarrass me in front of my friends. You you, you knew exactly. better, and I appreciate exactly. that. But if you were going to Pat, how would you go about it? Well, I would have started rolling out the uh, rolling out the stats from the Chicago game. Right, and... like it, 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 there's too much to draw from. But that's like low hanging fruit, isn't it? And people would have thought, oh, absolutely, that, it and, is. and people would have thought that was lazy, but they but they would have also appreciated. There's probably about two or three people in that crowd that were waiting for it. I know exactly who they were, and they, and they didn't get the satisfaction that they wanted, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, I was. Uh, you know what? Let's just forego the empty netters. Yeah, uh, at least for uh, the time being. How are you? Good. You doing well. Yeah. Um. We got lots to talk about when it comes to Calgary goaltending, but before we get there, you just you, you came down, sat down before we uh, before we cracked the mics here on a Thursday afternoon, and he said, "Ask me about the Flames' identity." I said, "Okay, well, I'll, I'll ask Cron about the Flames' identity because you don't uh, you don't happen to think they have one right now." Zero, and and I'll preface this, and you guys can attack me all you want, but when I was a young man, I became a goaltender because of Mikey Vernon. Okay, right. And I grew up watching, being from south of Winnipeg, small town, Winkler, Manitoba. We talked about this earlier. Great people. Um, when you closed your eyes and thought of the Calgary Flames, you know, guys like Landy McDonald, Mike Vernon, Joey Newendike, Al McInnes, Joey Mullen, you just, you could list off guys that kind of embodied the Flames. The identity of the Flames was a group. You fast forward, the Flames had a bunch of tough years, 2004. You think about the Flames again, Daryl was coaching. Drew McGinla, Mika Kippersoff, Robin Regeer. You, you, you have, uh, uh, when you think of the Calgary Flames, you, you, you think of these guys. Now, when you think of the Calgary Flames, the first thing that comes to my mind is Daryl Sutter. And there's not a player on that team that I think is the Calgary Flames, right? Daryl Sutter is the Calgary Flames. And, I, and to me, that's not Daryl's fault. Everybody in this province loves him. 
aside from probably the players that play for him. But you sit there, and it's like, well, I'm thinking of the Calgary Flames, I'm thinking of Daryl Sutter. And so now, for me, that, that begs the question. It's like, okay, well, who's going to step up? And we all love Tanev, but Tanev leads by example. A guy like Dubé hasn't been around long enough to... He works hard every night. He, he, he gives his best. What, you know, great. Marks was having an up-and-down year, but who's, who's the leader on that hockey club? And, and, you know, and leading by example is, is one thing. Finding a leader in the dressing room that can go in and tell the coach, hey, you know, lay off this guy or we need a day off or I think this is what we need to do. It, they're, they're hard to come by. It's not, an easy, it's not a simple fix, but they, their identity is their coach, and so everybody's chasing the coach's coattails. There's nobody on that team that, that leads, in my opinion. Kind of, it's it's and and it's kind of one of those, kind of one of those things where I I I kind of feel what you're saying because you take a look at some of the issues they've had this year and some of the scoring issues they've had this year. Like they they really have taken on the same personality that the Kings took on when he was head coach there, and and some of the some of the benefits of the way the Kings played we've seen from the Flames, especially last year, and and Vic some of the the pitfalls of the LA Kings, especially in the last two or three years, we've seen more notably this year where they have the puck all the time, they put all kinds of rubber towards the net, but it doesn't always. Uh, translate into a high quantity of goals. It's really hard for them to score, and and that kind of is what goes along with a, a Daryl Sutter identity these days. Yeah, and to circle back to Croner's initial sort of query to us, close your eyes and who do you think of when you mention the Calgary Flames? I would lean a little bit towards Michael Backlund, but one, because he's the longest tenured member of the Flames, and he's quite literally the only guy left from the team that was there when I started covering the club back in 2011. But there's no doubting that Daryl Sutter is the biggest personality, the largest voice, the most presence. So it's natural for them to absorb the characteristics of past Daryl Sutter teams because they don't, to me, have that one standout image where you close your eyes and go, who is the 2022-23 Calgary Flames, and it shouldn't be Backlund. Backlund's the one that comes to mind. I don't necessarily think it should be your third-line center no. that is the focal point of that identity. So it comes back to Daryl being the biggest voice and the loudest personality for me. And in, in my opinion, I think Daryl's looking for somebody to go in and take it, and he's going to be that guy until somebody can come in and take it. Now, who's that going to be? It can't be anybody, and you got to be careful how you do it. And, and, and it's not a role for everybody. There's not very many people left on this planet that want that job. And for a team like the Flames, it's like, well, you know, we can just have another guy that just, you know, it leads by example. Tanev is a, is a prime example. Yeah. He works his butt off, locks shots, team guy. But we've had that in Giordano. Gio's a leader, leads by example, works his butt off, great in the city. Ginla, you know, top scorer, works hard, fights guys. But I don't know how many of these guys can go in and like a guy like Owen Nolan. I mean, that's going way back. Uh, I, I played with a handful of guys that, you know, they were hard. They were equally as you had to have the respect of the group, though. You can't just go in and think, oh, I'm I'm the leader of this team yeah. and I'm going to be doing this and this is how it's going to go. Like you have, it, it's not for everybody. And there's like I said, a very few select people that can do this. Right. And so, but. What I'm saying is, is that the Flames don't have any of those guys. Every, everybody is a second-line guy. Like, Kadri's a second-line guy. Backlund's a second-line guy. Toffoli's a second-line guy. They're all second-line guys. Adorov is, uh, we all love him because he's exciting. And, he, and you know what? Well, not exciting, but he's big. He wears great suits to the rink. But he's huge. 
He's in the offensive zone. He's in the defensive zone. He's in the, he's just he's all over the place. Yeah, uh, and and guys are kind of working as hard as are, they're working towards a. a what I'm trying to say, basically, is that these guys are all working as hard as I think they're working. They're like a fly buzzing around in a tent. You know what I mean? They're hitting, yep. the, they're hitting yep. the sides. They're, they're, they're doing it. They're, you know, right. Daryl's a hard, he, he demands blood from a stone. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And they're just going around, hitting the sides of the tent, nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. But there's an opening, but nobody can see it. And somebody's got to grab the reins on this team. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's what Daryl's working for. And I think he's making life miserable for those guys until somebody has had enough. And I don't think enough guys have had enough. Is there a guy in the room right now? And you mentioned the funny thing, because as you were circling through that uh, conversation, my mind kind of went to Nazem Kadri, where first-year player with the team, so maybe you don't come into the dressing room and start waving your arms and yelling at the top of your lungs, but he's a guy that's been around the league long enough. He's got the cup ring. Is he somebody that can eventually fill that role, or does this team not have one of those players right now? I don't think they have one of those players. I think Kadri's an emotional player. I think the Flames are lucky to have him. But having said that, I don't think he's a leader. I, I don't. I think he goes out and does his job. He's exciting. He's fun to watch. Okay. He gets in the mix. But he's not a guy that's going to grab a team and pull him into the mix. I, I don't think that. He, he's an edgy player. Um, he's on a Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand does a lot of stupid crap around the league. But he's one of those guys that cares about his hockey club. And not saying Kadri doesn't. Like I'm not making that right, distinction. Right. But having said that, Kadri makes a lot of uh, plays on the ice. We're like, okay, like, it's late in the shift. Get the puck in deep. Go for a change. And and I don't think that the the team a guy, a guy like Hannafin's been around for almost six hundred games, and on the offensive side of the puck, he's great. Defensive, he's a liability. Like he makes so many bonehead mistakes in the back end for a guy that's been around that long. Uh, um, who's your guy that you can count on to be consistent? Uh, who's your guy to count on that, that you know what he's going to? Even if he's having a bad game, give him the benefit of the doubt. Who gets a ben- who who gets a who gets a pass on the Flames? Who do, who gets a pass? This year? Yeah. Not really anybody. Nobody. Because, because they, because it's been a year where they have um, underperformed and so many of their top players have underperformed. Well, I don't know if anybody does. Well, and prime example, you watch the, the, the family day game against the Flyers, and I think D'Angelo scores that third goal on Markstrom. I think it's D'Angelo. Maybe yep. It, yep. Yeah, the third, yeah, right? 3-1 right? goal was D'Angelo, yep. Okay, so you... Look at that memory. It's shocking, right? And good thing I'm good looking, but... You, you, uh, both of you, you, you go to the Rangers, you go to the Islanders. Uh, I'm, I'm listing Russian goaltenders here because they're taking over the league here right now. Vasilevsky's in net. I mean, that's a high bar, but Hellebuck, let's say in Winnipeg, we're talking about what a great save that was on D'Angelo when the game's 2 1. And now, what, what we're talking about here in Calgary is what a great shot D'Angelo had. You know, it was one, it was one on one, they're down 2 1. He's it's it's Markstrom versus D'Angelo. He's shooting top glove. Markstrom's set. There's no one timer, and beats him clean. And I get it. It's a good. It, it happens. But the amount of times that Markstrom's been beat clean one on one. Now all of a sudden you just sit there and like, okay, well, you know what? We got a guy that can, you know, hang around. But there's nobody that's stealing games for us. And I'm not just talking about goaltending. I'm talking about right players from top to bottom. Um, well, let's let's move to goaltending. It's uh, Brent Cron with us. He uh, usually speaks goaltending with us uh, as we're underway this hour on Flames Talk. Vladar started against Arizona. What he made eleven stops on fourteen <laughs> shots. 
when it was all said and done. Uh, I felt bad for him. Because, Three on seven at one point or something well, one, along those One lines? goal was scored without a shot being registered because Fair. poor Chris Tanev. Uh, look, and, and I by no means am I trying to cherry pick or, or uh, throw Tanev under the bus because if you're a good defenseman, you'll gonna score, you're going to score on yourself at some point. Um, and, and it happens. It happens to every player. So I just felt bad for him because it was such a poorly timed uh, part of the game to do it. But Vladar picks up the win. It's not like he was spectacular. I thought he did a nice job of shutting the door once the Flames got back even, and it was 3-3. I thought he'd made a couple of nice stops that that made sure Arizona wasn't able to get any momentum back. But Vladar's the guy that more often than not has been winning. He's the only guy of the two that has been able to string wins together because Markstrom hasn't had consecutive wins since December. It was uh, the two wins against San Jose in San Jose since Markstrom has racked up consecutive wins. So it, it really it really begs the question as to, yes, they're on the second half of back-to-back Thursday in Vegas, and I know that a lot of people would typically just go, well, if one guy started the Wednesday, then the other guy starts on the Thursday. I am, I'm, I'm of the opinion that you need to go right back to Vladar uh, on the second half of back-to-back in this one because didn't get a lot of work. He picked up the win. It's not like you're traveling far from Arizona to Vegas. It's a hop, skip, and a jump. It's not like he's been overworked or had a ton of workload. I'm, I'm, to me, it's almost a no-brainer you go back to Vladar against Vegas. That would be my call, too. You look at Hellebuck playing against the Rangers in a back-to-back night. He made 50 saves. I'm not putting Vladar in, in Hellebuck's category. But you're kind of past the realm of, uh, you know, we're going to go, we can't play him back-to-back. Give him a chance. Give him a shot. You're going to go into Vegas. Go in and play. Um, do, do they have a starter for tonight or is it? Is no, it, we don't it, know yet. Yeah, it's it's undetermined. And if it's Markstrom, you know, he, and you know, Vladar didn't blow the doors off the game last night, but they won. He didn't play a bad game against Detroit either. He let in one bad goal, the fifth goal. You know, that's just the way this, the, 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 the team's season has been going. And the, the first four were debating, you know, that was a lot more than just him not being able to make a save. And there's like, and you hear people say, "Oh, he didn't play very well. Letting that fifth goal is bad." Well, the Flames are losing that game from the start because it's a bottom feeder team, and and they play kind of to the level of their competition. So, so now you're you're going into Vegas. You won last night. Put Vladar back in. Like they're all big boys. It's like I don't know why you can't play guys back to back. That that's always something that, that yes, you've all that's always rankled you, hasn't you it? You want and, and it, it's uh, it really grinds my gears <laughs> because um, I, I'm an American League, yeah. Guy and and we used to play like three, three games threes? in two and a half days, right? Yeah. And it was like you're just play, 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 and you get to the National Hockey League, you're like, hey, oh, you know what? You can't play back to back. We're we're gonna have a th- 27 minute flight. We'll be we'll be in the hotel by 12:30, <laughs> and uh, you know it must be tiring. And I get it. Don't get me wrong. I never had to. I never had that shot, but I just think it's a bunch of BS and bush league crap to not be able to play Vladar tonight and watch Markstrom's going to start, and I'm just I, I'm. I, it would make me, if I was Vladar, I would just take it. If I was him, I would go into Daryl's office like, what the hell is going on? Like, like eventually he's got, maybe he's not the one grabbing the bull by the horns. Maybe he's just happy to be there. But well, what would stop him? I mean, and like once again, I don't know any of the inner workings of how this operates, but you'd sit there and think, well, you won against Phoenix, a, a bottom feeder team that, you know, it didn't the onset of the game for the first half didn't look all that good. And you're like, here we go again. And then Flames get, you know, they win 6-3, fantastic. Put Vladar back in. Is that not that to me? That's a no-brainer. Do you uh, do you have a, a dissenting opinion over there in the Tuke? 
Not not well. It's cold in here, Patrick. He's still wearing his jacket and scarf. Cut me some slack and And sweater. sweater. Looking dapper as always. By the way, um, no, I don't because I don't. I'm kind of with you. Don't get me wrong. I've never been a goalie at any level. Um, but the fact that riding a bike, but the fact that you play (laughs) three and threes in the AHL and then all of a sudden you elevate a level and you can't play two games in three days, even never mind back to back. You're on the bus or flying commercial or. But, yeah, and the other thing is, is he he really didn't do much against Arizona. No. That was just a lot of standing. The first two periods, essentially. I mean, maybe there's probably more than that. Fourteen. So yeah, I'd, I have no problems going back to back with going. We, remind me because was there not an instant earlier this year where Daryl went back to back games with the same goaltender? I believe he's gone once this year yes. with Markstrom, and I believe last year he went back to back with Vladar. So it's not unheard point. of. It's not. No, and 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 I think they're in a spot right now where they now have twenty four games to go. I don't know what I I don't know if it needs to be Croner a, a, a strict you win and you nope, stay in. It doesn't. But. but I think you at the very least this guy has been able to string some wins together. I don't really think the the level of play between Vladar and Markstrom. There's a massive chasm between them right now. Um, you know the save percentages are are very similar and and but. One guy has been able to pick up wins, and 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 for a guy who I really like, save percentage is a telling number. And and you're always you've always been a guy that you, yeah, save percentage is great, but it comes down to wins. Well, right now for the Flames, wins are the only thing that matters, and and they they need to they need to go with the guy who's picking up wins. And and when there's not a massive gap between them in terms of how they're playing, but one guy's winning and the other guy is having a little bit more trouble picking up that result, I think you have to, at the very least, consider going to Vladar a whole lot more than you ever have. And and, and certainly, in this game against Vegas, it just it, it sets up as a really easy time to go to him back-to-back. Well, and, and But Daryl's a one-goalie coach, though. Always he, has been. Always has been, right? So when he was in San Jose... Nabokov, and then he had, and then he was in Calgary at Kippersoff, and he goes to L.A. and he's got quick, and all those guys can play sixty to seventy-two games. He's in Calgary now. He he wants to make a goaltender like that. And and in fairness, he had that last year in Markstrom, but he, he had it at the start of the season. And yeah. They had that two-month break because of all that stuff, and then he came back and he was good, but he wasn't what he was in the first half of the season. And there was a lot more factors involved in that. And now I think. I said it earlier in the year, but he's trying to make Markstrom a starter, and I don't think Markstrom is a 70-game guy. I think Markstrom is a 60 max, and he needs a backup that can come in. And the more pressure you put on him to, to be that guy, I think the more he folds. Uh, and that's not a knock against him because he's super talented, but Darrell wants a guy that can carry his weight. He wants to count on a guy. you know. And, and what Markstrom needs to get away from is stop having bad games. You can have a bad period. You can have a bad... You know, shift. You can have a you know letting the bad, but don't let your bad goals in when you're trying to get momentum in the game. Don't right. let your bad goals in when it counts the most. Make timely saves. Yes, we can win games. And Markstrom right now is you can tell he's battling himself, and he's not a guy that can play that that can be counted on. Would well, it surprise you at all to know that Dan Vladar has a 700 points percentage and Jacob Markstrom has a 487? Isn't that crazy? And you look at their numbers as a whole, and They're again, you identical. you care about wins. 285 goals against, 899 save percentage for Vladar, 293 goals against, 889 for Markstrom. So not all that different, yeah. but what a massive swing in terms of points. It's But it's timely saves, right? It doesn't well, that, that is one thing that a lot of people keep talking about when it comes to Markstrom is first period goals, trailing in games. I know it's, 
I see it on my Twitter all the time when you put out whoever's starting and you say, oh, Jacob, Jacob Markstrom's getting the start tonight against Team X. Immediately you get the, the oh, well, he's going to let in uh, the first or second shot and they're going to be down one nothing. But there has been a little bit of a, a theme of that so far this season where, uh, and, and I don't think it's something that he can't kick. I don't think it's something, Cam Talbot had that issue in Edmonton. Uh, in his final year in Edmonton, he got traded, went to Philadelphia, had that nightmare year, and then revitalized his career in Calgary. He had a really good year that year with the Flames. Like it's not like it's not like Markstrom can't get some of this stuff figured out. But right now, I understand the trepidation because there have been a lot of nights where the Flames have been playing from behind a little earlier than they'd like. Uh, because whether it's a breakdown or a not so great goal or whatever the case may be, it seems like a lot of. You know, a goal goes in in the first two or three shots. We've, we've seen a lot of that this year. If Markstrom can get out of the first 10, 15 minutes of the first period, you know, he, he, he'll he kind of work his way through it. But if he's a guy, if you get to him early, it's it's early and often, right? He's not a guy that can, this season anyway, bounce back from a poor start. And and the Flames are built to win games 2-1 and 3-2. So when you're down 2 nothing right off the start, chasing the game, they don't have, the firepower there isn't, isn't, catching up we don't have mcdavid or, or Drysaddle here where we can win game six five and you know and the oilers media are talking about jack i mean i know jack campbell lost here the other night but he won eight in a row and he's doing great now well, he's not they're scoring a lot of goals uh, to, to compensate and he made some timely saves too but you're playing on a different style of team down here you're you're you have to stop the pucks you're supposed to stop and you're expected to win the game two one that's your that's your objective it's almost like the 80s Oilers up in Edmonton right now yes. versus the 2004 Calgary Flames in terms of expectation out of your goaltender. Agreed, right? And, and that's the thing. And so Grant Fuhrer made a living off of not letting in that next goal. Whether they won 7-6 or they won one nothing, Grant Fuhrer would never let in that next goal. And, and and that's something that you can just marvel at. And you got you come down here, and uh, every everybody on that 89 team and, and over the years in the 80s and 90s when they had to play the Oilers, you know, it was a team effort. It was by committee. They had to run into the Flames, or they had to run into the others every every playoff, every, and they had to do it by committee. Here, right now, you need a goaltender to make make saves, and, yeah. and they don't have that right now. They've kind of been all year, and 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 look, the, the the struggles they've had this year, and let's not forget they're coming off a really impressive win over Arizona on Wednesday, but. The, that that win, that that win was impressive when they won because we just saw that the. The shots just get accumulated again. You're just like, and I and I saw. Yeah. What was it like? Thirty-one to eight yeah. were the shots, and it was three-one Arizona. You're like, it you was twenty-nine-six when they were down two-one. Yeah. And, and I saw a what tweet. What am I watching? And I saw a tweet there from Wilsey where he's like, you know, I think he's with the 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 Rangers and Jets game where it was like the shots are fifty-one nineteen, and he's he's, he's it's, see it happens to other teams too, and good on him for saying that, but. You know the the Rangers' fifty-one shots are way different than the Flames' fifty-one shots. Right. You, you know, and, and so you sit there and you're like, "We're just piling pucks on the net. We're trying to get opportunity here." It's stat night for a goaltender. And then you know, however you say the guy, the Phoenix goalie's name, Vimelka. Or, Vimelka. Yeah, that second goal was trash, and and you know they're up three-one, and he lets in a garbage goal in a college barn, and then the game just kind of goes sideways from there. And they're a fragile team too, but nobody cares about the Phoenix Coyotes, <laughs> right? So it's different. Um, you need get all the shots you want, but put the puck in the net. Stop just looking for a rebound or a tip or getting traffic in them because none of those guys get in the way anyway. Um, good stuff. Appreciate. Uh, at, at some point, 
Got to ask you about Dustin Wolf and and his future with the organization. We've gone down that road before, but at some point we got to go down that road for an extended period of time. I hope uh, so. Because uh, I think there's a lot there. I think there's a lot to dive into when it comes to what his future looks like. He's Brent Cron. He's our goaltending analyst. Uh, find him on Twitter. Was it B Cron Three Cron at B Cron Three Cron? I was B-cron, actually wondering what's the what's the story behind just the solo three. I have three kids. Oh. And I started in whatever 2013 and never did anything with it. And uh turns out it's got a ring to it. It ring. does not have a ring. B-Cron, 3-Cron. B-Cron, 3-Cron. On Twitter. Yep. Uh, Brent Cron, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host The Big Show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are The Big Show. Anything and everything Calgary Flames, it's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Daily Flames Roundtable on this Thursday edition of Flames Talk. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Pat Steinberg, Aaron Vickers of Daily Hive, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our roundtable. Gentlemen, uh, the Flames reverted back their power play units in Wednesday's win over the Arizona Coyotes. Um, most notably, they put their old number one unit back together of Tyler Toffoli, Jonathan Huberdo, Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri, and Rasmus Anderson. Uh, that happened in the second period on their second power play of the night. They ended up scoring on it. Elias Lindholm scored to get the rally going where the Flames scored five unanswered and won 6-3. Gents, are we surprised that the Flames ended up going back to their old number one unit i'm not surprised because their power play even though it did look good at first when they made those changes coming out of their nine-day break it uh, had fallen off again and it has been an achilles heel for this team this season Uh, i mean when you look at the flames on paper uh, at least when i look at them in paper uh, i see enough talent to, to put certainly one good power play unit on the ice if not two And going into last night's game, they were ranked 25th in the NHL in power play percentage. Uh, Now, with that said, that shows you what one really good game of the power play will do for you. They scored a season-high three power play goals last night and went from 25th into a tie for 21st and are up to 20.1% on the season. But, you know, that first unit, we were all wondering why it wasn't working. And sometimes you just have to take a step back before you can take a step forward. And I thought uh, that fivesome uh, with four forwards and one defenseman of Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberdeau, and Tyler Toffoli, and uh, the one defenseman in Rasmus Anderson looked good in last night's game against the Coyotes. But the group that really impressed me, guys, was actually the second power play unit with Michael Backlund, Dylan Dubé, Andrew Mangiapane, Jacob Pelche, and Noah Hannafin. And maybe the most impressive player of that bunch was Jacob Pelche, who I thought moved the puck around beautifully on the power play last night. So it was great to see the Flames score three power play goals and a big come-from-behind win. And uh, as we've talked a lot about, not only this season, but for seasons, 
the power play can feed the confidence of your top players because those are the guys you're using on your power play. So for the Flames players who helped score three power play goals last night, you wonder if some of the confidence they picked up doing that will carry over to their five-on-five game, and uh, that would be uh, doubly good news for the Flames moving forward. Yeah, not so shocked that they shuffled the deck again with the man advantage. And if you look over the seven games prior to last night from the All-Star break on, collectively the group had an 18.2% power play in those seven games. The 50 games leading up to the All-Star break, they were only at 19.1. So the shakeup didn't really have a drastic effect on what was going on with the man advantage. And I'm personally a fan of stacking one unit and letting them go for a minute 30 or so. We've seen it work quite a bit. Up north, not to reference the Edmonton Oilers, but we've seen it in uh, several different markets where you see a team roll out a a massively stacked unit and they end up playing about a minute, 30 or so, and then the secondary unit comes on on mop-up duty if they don't manage to find the back of the net. Not so surprised that we saw the shift up, and like you, Wilsey, I was quite impressed with Jacob Pelche and that second unit throwing things around, so... If it's not working or if it's not giving you an added bonus by trying that shuffle out of the All-Star break, why not go back and see if the reuniting can can spark something for the club? Well, I remember when we talked about the changes they made coming out of the break for the Rangers game. One of the things, and this is not me trying to pat myself on the back, but one of the things that we, we talked about, one of the things I said is it feels like this is a temporary thing and they'll go back to it in a few weeks. And and the reason it it... it it reminded me, guys, do we remember the Frankenstein lines the Flames had um, in kind of towards the end of 2019 and early early 2020? They had, you know, they had Backlund playing on the wing with Monaghan and Gaudreau. And the, like they had some really strange lines there. And I think they went random under Jeff Ward for about two months. And then in the month leading up to the Wasn't shutdown, Michael Backlund on the wing? Yeah, Backlund, yeah he was not happy Backlund, about Backlund, that. Backlund on the wing with Monaghan and, and Gaudreau. And, yeah. and so... Right, and so they reverted back to the lines they had before. They went back to Lindholm on the right with Monaghan and Gaudreau, and they put Manjapani, Kachuk, and Backlund back together, Backlund in the middle, and they did that for about a month until the NHL shut down for COVID, and it felt like after those Frankenstein lines, you put them back together the way that you're used to, and all of a sudden, those lines were clicking better than they had before they switched them up. That was kind of the theory that I was thinking about when they put these two new weird power play units together, and just kind of as a reset, a little bit of a refresh, get away from the monotony of what was happening before, and then as Aaron talks about, put the number one unit back together with your five most perfectly suited power play guys, stack them, and, and Wilsey, you're right, the number two unit was able to really be dangerous last night. So it felt like that was the way it was going to go. So I wasn't expecting it, especially after the first power play we saw. They didn't have those guys together, and then the second power play they did, and they scored almost immediately on it. Um, but I just I was wondering at what point Daryl Sutter and Kirk Muller were going to go back to the old units, and, and they did on Wednesday night, and it ended up working for them really well. Hopefully, to your point, Wilsey, because you're right, it has been something that's held them back way too often this year. Hopefully, that's the start of maybe this being more of a strength for them in the final 24 games here. And the interesting thing is they didn't start with those units last night. They went to them after the first power play failed to score. And uh, even though that first unit uh, wasn't as uh, dynamic as the second unit, it could have been, and it could have been just as productive had Jonathan Huberto been able to hit the net. Uh, I mean, he had nine shot attempts last night and one shot on goal. 
So it's good to see him shoot in the puck more because uh, we've said all season long that uh, he has to do that because teams definitely cheat pass on a guy who, when he's right, is one of the best playmakers in the league. But, you know, he was shooting it last night. He just couldn't hit the side of a barn. So uh, if he can uh, fix up uh, his uh, targets, uh, then uh, the Flames' uh, power play might be even more dangerous moving forward. So uh, we'll see. But uh, good start last night with a season-high three power play goals in that victory over the Coyotes. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, boys. Yep, and it sure did feel like that uh, in the game against the Coyotes on Wednesday, and uh, we'll see if that can carry over into Thursday's game against the Vegas Golden Knights with Derek Wills and Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg on your Daily Flames Roundtable. Uh, gents, let's, uh, and, and this is somewhat speculative, or there's a little bit of uh, projecting going on here, but let's just say the Flames don't go out and add a top six forward. Let's say the Flames don't go out and make a big splash before the deadline at forward. How okay would we be with Jacob Pelche and Walker Dewar being regular forwards on this team? How comfortable do we feel with those two guys being regulars for the rest of the season? You go first, though, Vickers. I'd be perfectly okay simply because of the fact that, one, I don't think the Calgary Flames should be expending assets at the trade deadline given where they are in the standings right now and what we've seen through the first 50-some-odd games of the season. Two, I'm really curious to find out exactly what Walker Dewar is at the NHL level. And you can look at the game on Wednesday and a goal and an assist and threw some hits, got plenty of ice time, really showcased himself well in the uh, insertion into the lineup I'm curious to know from next season going forward, he's a restricted free agent at the end of the year. The Calgary Flames are going to have to fill out some of their roster, particularly on the fourth line with some budget players. And if he can give you kind of what Garnet Hathaway gave the Calgary Flames when he started emerging to be a full-time NHL or an impact NHL or in a you bottom mean six role. Boston Bruin Garnet Hathaway. Oh, Boston Bruin Garnet Hathaway. Big trade today between Washington and... Uh, Do you want to slide in there real quick? Yeah, I hadn't heard that, actually. Uh, Hathaway and Orlov to the Bruins from Washington for a first, second, third, uh, fifth, and Craig Smith is uh, what the Bruins gave up. <laughs> That's a high price to pay. Obviously, the Bruins are all in, guys. And why wouldn't they be the first overall? <laughs> we'll get to see uh, Orlov and Hathaway with the Bruins on Tuesday. Anyways, to circle back, I really want to see a lot of Walker Dewar particularly what he can do in a limited role on that fourth line, because he's a guy that's going to be a prime candidate to be a full-time member of the Calgary Flames next season. Jacob Peltier, of course, everybody wants to see him, particularly in that top six role. And again, he's shown spurts of being a player that has the ability to make an impact on that second line with Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto. I think you want to give him a bit of runtime to see if he can start building consistency in doing it. So I'm all for leaving both of those guys in the lineup the rest of the year. Willsie, I'm not sure if you heard the question. Basically just asked straight up, like if, if they don't make uh, an acquisition, if they don't go out and make a big splash or a splash at forward between now and next Friday's deadline, how comfortable would you be with Jacob Pelche, Walker Dewar being regular forwards with the group the rest of the year? Well, it's a great question. Uh, at this point in time, I'd be pretty comfortable with it because if the flames don't do something between now and March 3rd, things have probably gone sideways for them. And things could, when you look at their schedule coming up between now and the trade deadline, they'll play the Pacific division and Western conference leading golden Knights tonight. They're seventh overall. They'll play the defending Stanley cup champion avalanche on Saturday night. 
they've had a tough year because of injury, but are as dangerous as anybody when healthy. They'll play the first overall Bruins next Tuesday, and then the fourth overall Maple Leafs next Thursday. Those are the four games before the trade deadline. So if the Flames can finish 500 or better, they're probably going to be in a decent spot still. But uh, if they go 1-3 and three or 0-4, oh and four, then uh, maybe approach the trade, trade deadline differently than you would uh, if you go 3-1 and one or 4-0, oh, uh, which will be very difficult to do. But as far as the two young players are concerned, guys, for me, Jacob Pelche has a pretty long leash to this point. What I love about him is that he's starting to produce offensively, but even when he's not putting up goals, assists, and points, for a young player, his details are really, really good surprisingly good. Normally for a 21-year-old, that's the toughest adjustment to make going from the AHL where you're a top six guy to the NHL where you might be a top six guy. And right now he's playing in their middle six, I would say. But uh, I also think that he can be an effective fourth line guy. So even if the Flames do go out and add uh, a top six or or middle six winger between now and March 3rd, Jacob Pelche is not coming out, in my opinion. Uh, or at least I wouldn't take him right. out because I think he can play different roles and I think he's been really good and I think he's getting better. Just take a look at his ice time. I do it every single game. It keeps going up and up and up. And that is a great sign when your head coach is Daryl Sutter because uh, he doesn't hand ice time out. You have to earn it. And I think Jacob Pelche has. So I've really been impressed by him. Walker Dewar, we have a smaller sample size as far as his later latest call-up, obviously, but I thought he was a really good player. Uh, brought some speed to that fourth line with Trevor Lewis and Milan Lucic last night. And for me, there are, at this point in time at least, three guys competing to play a fourth-line role. And the two guys who he's competing with are Adam Ruzicka and Brett Ritchie. I actually think there are quite a few similarities between the way Dewar plays and the way Richie plays or can play. But as I said on uh, the Wednesday edition of the Calgary Flames Roundtable, for me, Brett Richie hasn't been the same guy since he got injured in a fight earlier this season. Now, the deck's been kind of stacked against him because he got hurt and didn't play for 14 games and, and then comes back in, plays a couple of games, and is back out again. But uh, he's a big guy who can skate and play a physical brand of hockey. And I kind of see Walker Dewar as the same type of player, but he's younger and maybe a little bit hungrier at this stage of his career. So uh, that comparison can be made. As far as Adam Ruzicka, what a weird season it's been for him. I mean, a healthy scratch in 10 of the first 11 games, he gets in and not only gets in, but gets to play on the left side of the Flames' first line with Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli, puts up 20 points in the next 24 games, and then offensively at least falls off a cliff. And I think he's had a bit of an identity crisis going from being a, a first or second or third line player to being a fourth line player. And quite frankly, he, he's just looked a little lost trying to play that role to me and uh, hasn't brought enough to the table in a fourth line role. So... Uh, I think Walker Dewar has been the best of the bunch, but with all young, and Walker's not all that young, he's 25, but with uh, a lot of inexperienced players, that's probably a better way to put it, it's about consistency. Can he play at the level that he played at last night when he played at a high level in the Flames 6-3 victory over the Coyotes? 
game after game after game. The NHL is an everyday league. In the AHL, you can get away with having a, an off night once in a while. And if you're talented, uh, uh, that might kind of help you hide it. So, uh, so far, so good for Dewar. As far as Pelche is concerned, he's not coming out anytime soon unless he falls right off a cliff for me. As of right now, I'm, I'm going out of my way to keep both guys. I know that they're both easy to send back to the American League because neither of them need waivers. But you know what? Like... You don't need to go the easy route with these guys. Go out of your way to keep Pelche and Dewar on the roster and in the lineup. The fourth line has been significantly better with Dewar on the right side for me. And and that look of Dewar, Lewis, and Lucic uh, right to left has, has been pretty solid when they've been together. They... Open the scoring with a really good shift against Arizona on Wednesday. And, and Dewar has just been consistently what you'd ask for from a fourth-line right winger. So I'm going out of my way to keep him in the lineup. And yes, absolutely, you want to see it on a consistent basis. But I've seen nothing to suggest that that's going to drop off. And the same is true with Pelche. I think all of what you just said there, Wilsey, is is absolutely valid when it comes to what Pelche's brought. And he's had a couple of nights where he hasn't been at his best. I didn't love him. Um, I think it was against Philadelphia. I thought that he had a, a, a kind of an off afternoon. But they've been few and far between. And when he's taken care of the details like he has almost every night to your point, and he's also starting to add a little bit more offense along with it. Yeah, I think he should stay in as well to the point that, you know, the the Flames as a non-playoff team as it stands right now, I would be far more comfortable with them just rolling with these guys and with the group they've got right now than them going out and making a big splash at forward at the deadline. Defense, yeah, I, I still think there's room to make a – you know, um, kind of a on the fringes edition somewhere in your third pair or or that five six seven spot. But I would much rather them right now keep going with Pelche and Dewar as regular forwards than give up first or second or third round picks. You see what the Boston Bruins just gave up for Hathaway and Orlov? Like I would much rather the Flames stick with what they've got than pay that price for a team that's not guaranteed to go to the playoffs. So uh, I I've really liked what I've seen from both. And, and I'd like to see them continue getting the opportunity that they've been getting. I'm still leaning, make a deal between now and March 3rd, a deal or two. Uh, I'd still like to see the team add a legitimate uh, top six right shot, right winger who can score with ease and help their power play and adept defensemen. But uh, I'm just leaning that way. If they don't yeah. go in that direction, I'm not saying it's uh, going to be the right decision or the wrong decision, but uh, I think it's awesome that we're having this conversation about Walker Dewar and Jacob Pelletier. And I know it took a little bit longer than a lot of fans would have liked for them to get called up. And then once they got called up to be inserted in the lineup, but uh, there's a process with these young and developing players. And uh, sometimes it takes a little bit longer than you'd like it to, but uh, it's working pretty well right now for both players, uh, especially for Pelletier, uh, who has been a mainstay since being uh, called up and then uh, finally inserted in the lineup a couple of weeks later. And uh, I do give Daryl Sutter credit. He has put both players in a position to succeed. Remember earlier this season when we were having similar conversations about Matthew Phillips and I was saying, I don't think you can call him up a first-line guy in the AHL and expect him to have success playing a fourth-line role in the NHL. Some guys can do that. Not all guys can do that. And as the smallest player in the league, I'm not convinced that Phillips is a guy who can do that. For me, it's different with these two guys. 
Jacob Pelche is playing on the left side of a line with two of your star players, Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdeau. He's playing in your second power play. He's been put in a position to succeed, and he's succeeding. And Dewar's a guy who's playing a very similar role in the NHL to the one that he was playing in the AHL, and so far, he's succeeding in a fourth-line role. So uh, the process uh, took a little bit longer than some would have liked, but uh, uh, so far, so good for both guys. Uh, thank you, Willsey. See you shortly. Okay, see you soon. He's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that's your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary airport. And just before we get to our Flames Talk best bets, um, can, uh, can tell you that yeah, that was a massive deal made by the Boston Bruins on this Thursday. Uh, the Bruins, who had been linked to Gavrikov and had been linked to Chikrin, instead decide to go to Washington to fill their need on the blue line. Remember, Boston went out and got Hampus Lindholm at last year's deadline. This year, the Bruins go out and uh, acquire Dmitry Orlov on the blue line, and I, I really like that fit. I think Orlov will fit the way that that team plays perfectly. So they go out, they get Orlov, they also get Garnet Hathaway, the Boston-area product, uh, and they give up all of this. A 2023 first-round pick. So the, uh, the Bruins are giving up their 2023 first, a 2025 second, a 2024 third, and Craig Smith, along with a fifth-round pick that goes to Minnesota, who helps to um, get all the cap things working. Second time Minnesota in the last week has been an intermediate party in helping retain salary. So double retention move with Boston being able to get less of a cap hit back and make the money work. So Minnesota, Bill Guerin and Minnesota are like, Okay, yeah, bring it on. We're, we're trying to go to the playoffs, but you know what? We're going to weaponize our cap space. Give us some picks. And he knows what's going on. He knows that they've got some just brutal dead cap space the next two years because Parise and Suter's cap hit go to their maximum yeah. dead number the next two seasons after this year. So recoup some picks. He knows that it's going to be difficult for a couple of years and start to maybe build up your coffers of young players. I like what Bill Guerin's doing. I love that deal for the Bruins, and that is a haul that Washington got back. When you're seven points up on the second-best team in the NHL, you can shove your chips in like that, and the Boston Bruins are certainly doing that. They get Orlov at 75% retained when it's all said and done, on top of who we both agree is an excellent bottom six fourth line forward and Garnet Hathaway we saw him here for ages in Calgary and this is just Boston again going all right we know what our window is here we know how many more cracks we get at this yep forget all the draft picks ship them out they're not going to help us win a cup Let's go for it. Uh, time now for our Flames Talk Best Bets on a Thursday. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. Went one and two on Wednesday. Just missed on the two misses. Uh, Nick Ehlers just missed over three and a half. Jason Robertson just missed over three and a half. We did hit Michael Backlund over two and a half. We did. Of course we did. And that's why I'm riding Michael Backlund Thursday night for a second straight game backland over two and a half shots against vegas i'm all over that he's feeling it 
and why not? Um, Alex Ovechkin is back for the Caps. I'm going to take him as an anytime goal scorer Thursday against Anaheim and hit me with a Kirill Kaprizov over three and a half shots for Minnesota's game against Columbus. So quickly, best bets. I've got Kaprizov over three and a half shots. I've got Backlund over two and a half shots. And I've got Ovechkin as an anytime goal scorer on a Thursday evening. Mix in Adrian Kempe of the LA Kings, who's hit eight straight and the over two and a half. You can even sprinkle in a little Tyler Toffoli. He's gone six straight at over two and a half and 66% on the air. Those are your Flames Talk best bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.